rolling. This is the Propaganda Report. I am Monica Perez, and this is Brad Binkley. Hey, Binkley, how are you doing? I'm surviving. How are you? You're surviving? That doesn't sound great. I'm surviving. Oh, well, you know what? The year I've had, that is great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get into my personal life, but I. this has been the most horrendous Year every year of my life up to this year, all combined, has not visited as much sadness and death as this year. It's really yeah. out of control. Super, super sad. But uh, I do see the value in surviving. I'm right. going to rejoice yeah. with you. That is a, a call for rejoicing. Although my mother, who's really been through the mill, she, uh, man, she is like. I'm not sure if she's a rock, you know, rock solid, or like she's missing something, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, we'll get these these bad news. Really, it's been crazy. I mean, it's averaged a, a death a month of like in my. So, uh, she says, "Are you are you are you one of the weepy ones?" <laughs> like, no, that, mom. That's what I can your talk. mom says. Oh, yeah. She wants to know who she's talking to. Because I have eight brothers and sisters. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, she wants to, you know, she's just like so stoic. So she's she's like, are you one of the weepy ones? I'm like, no, I'm good. We can talk. Yeah. She'll say, you know, some people just don't understand. We were born to die. I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not, I'm a little young to have fully experienced that because she's quite old. And uh, I guess over time, eventually you just, just start thinking that way. Yeah, I think people. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a great way to start. Great, yeah, I want to do a show though. <laughs> I've had really, I really was not going to do the show. This or my regular show. I missed my WSB show last week and I was going to have to miss it again this week, but I really cannot uh, just sit around thinking about sad stuff. I've got to, I absolutely, it cheers me up to do this and you are going to cheer me up. And right. uh, even though the news normally like, just depresses me, it makes me angry. Now it's like such a relief. I'm like, oh, I, ha- I hate reading the newspaper, but I'm like, I have to read the newspaper. Sorry. Like I'm not, not talking to anybody. I'm just going to read the newspaper and it's full of like, you know, Obamacare stuff, which used to would just make me mad. And now I'm like, oh, this is great. I really have to focus on this and uh, and not right. other stuff. So okay. I am I am here. I'm going to let you entertain me, though. I don't expect a lot out of me today. Well, I, you know, I think every time you've ever said that. We, I've, <laughs> I don't let so you talk at time. all. <laughs> I could come in and say, Monica, today's show is about nothing. Then I would spark something. You go on like 10 minutes about <laughs> A brilliant insight about nothing. That's very sweet that you interjected brilliant in that because eventually (laughs) a show based on someone having nothing to talk about and not stopping talking is not a good show. Isn't that what Seinfeld was? Totally, totally, totally. Kind of like the whole Trump-Russia thing. It's literally about nothing. It is. It's about nothing. And when you watch it through the perspective of each week is a new episode, like we've talked about before, I believe <laughs> yes. you, you first mentioned, then it, it does become something that instead of enraging you can be like, oh, what's going to happen in this week's episode and kind of entertain you instead. 
Oh, yeah, it's like Naked and Afraid or whatever. People love that show. It's just Naked and Afraid starring Trump and Putin. Yeah, I feel like if Putin were actually the president of the United States, then you would have to actually look at the policies and behaviors. Like, is he really serving Russia? Or, like, what is he doing? With the Trump thing, like, it's just like Watergate. I actually want to do, like, a, a study, a parallel between Watergate and the Trump thing, because Watergate was about nothing. There was no content. There was no reason for the break-in. He was winning by a landslide. He won by a landslide. It came out before the vote. People still voted for him. And they, he ne- had no, no idea about it. It was just about the cover-up. You know what I mean? The whole thing was about nothing, and it ended in the resignation. So I wonder if this whole circus is truly going to be a parallel to Watergate to the end. Right. I was thinking about a story arc <clears throat> earlier, you know, beginning, middle, end. You start with a – Oh, know, nice. Typically yeah. the beginning of a – uh, a movie script is going to going to have the before picture and then you're going to have the after picture and the after picture is going to reflect the transformation that's happened to your main character you know they they start in one place there's an intervening event about 10 15 minutes in which sparks the action they take which would be i guess him running for president or 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 maybe it would be the russia thing actually it would probably be the the thing that happens then there's the reverse towards the end so i think maybe because the russia thing's getting real tired i think maybe we're reaching the point of the reverse happening and i don't know what that reverse is going to be maybe it's i don't know a dead body is going to fall from air force one i i, I don't know what it's going to be well i've been wondering what how we should look at it because surely uh there is a storyboard. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Somebody knows. You know what the real tell is? That um, that the actual events... Hold on. I'm having technical difficulties. Okay. That the actual events are... Uh, they get fed out to us episode by episode. So like this Trump Jr. meeting, you know, did that actually happen a week ago? Or, you know... Was it just revealed? Exactly. It when it happened, it supposedly happened on June 9th, my birthday on 2016. And at first, now this is what was really strange to me about it is at first he revealed all this information. He published those emails for you know quote unquote transparency. And speaking, I think this is evidence. What, what date did he tra- did he publish for tra- tra- after it became known? Yeah, after it became – How did it become known a year later? Yeah, I, I don't remember how – I don't remember who first reported that it happened, but there was going to be – apparently I think somebody from the New York Times might have originally published it, and I think someone else from the New York Times or perhaps the same person was going to publish the emails, and they must have found out about that. This is a story anyway, so they got out in front of it, and Trump Jr. published the emails first so that it didn't come from somewhere else, and – What's interesting to me about that is like a couple of days, like every time a story starts to die down a little, and this is evidence to me of you know the storyboard theory, is every time the wave of Russia just madness starts to die down a little bit, something else is put out there to yeah. keep the madness growing. And just shortly after this happened, the, the next news story broke, and it was – there were more than four people at the meeting. It wasn't just yeah. – I won't was, read it. Eight I'm not reading the meeting, right? Yeah, I'm not following it. Yeah. Yeah, so so that became the new outrage about it. And that and that's what I guess ultimately sparked where sparked uh, Trump Jr. being called to testify 
Oh, yeah, Congress. that's going to be fantastic. And, and this is the third one. This is the third little yeah. bit of, not outrage, but um, spark they, they put in it to keep it alive because everybody's going to watch the Trump Jr. thing. And, and you know what else they do that's consistent with the episode type thing? When you watch a series like that, there will be like dud episodes, like an episode where you kind of absorb all the information, like a down week yeah. And then, like, nothing happens in that episode, and then the next week is where the, you know, new reveal. Right, right. Let, let me ask you this. You made me uh, remember something that I was actually about to publish something about, but this other thing posted before, and it kind of made it lose its relevance a little bit. But I want to ask you, how long ago do you think the Kushner back channel Russia story was? When, when do you, like, how long ago does it feel like that happened? You remember that? Wait, the whole wait. big story was Kushner has a back channel, a secret treasonous back channel. Yes, I, I that did not have the legs, I thought. That was the dud. That was the dud. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um <laughs> it's really what the sorry, as you can see, <laughs> I'm at home. Um, as you can hear from my dog, which we basically rescued. And then one of the tragedies of this year was that my dog got hit by a car. So we rescued this other dog, and Delilah, uh, Delilah and she can't even bark. So this is – hear that? I hear that. She's got a cute yeah. little bark. So I have to ask my daughter to come take her out. <laughs> okay. So, yes, that maybe was the dub. But can I, uh, can I just say something else before I forget? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to tell you when that was, though. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. I didn't know it, if you were finishing. Go. When I started thinking about that, I thought it was like – I was like, that felt like it was back in, like, March maybe because it felt so long ago. And I looked it yeah, up, and it sure. happened at the end of May, May 26th. Really? I'm like, and I started, like, thinking about it, and, you know, the way our brain – we That's when so Comey was about to testify, and and Trump took his – his trip to Saudi Arabia, and then right after that, by the way, after Trump's trip to Saudi Arabia, did you realize this? There was a coup in Saudi Arabia? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was just an article in the New York Times I was reading yesterday, like the crown prince, like, switched with the, you know, junior crown, like the second in line switched with the third in line. So now the 50-year-old is not going to take over, but the 30-year-old is. And the New York Times reported yesterday, like, it was actually – you know, not totally voluntary on part of the 50 year old. He was like in a being held against his will and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. Yes. And it was right after Trump got, you know, not necessarily Trump, but those guys were over there. And I'm like, yes, they would never do that without the U.S. permission. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So I remember those dates pretty well. That's crazy. Had the Kusher story been the only thing that happened and then this thing with Trump Jr. happened like, you know, last week, then that other story would be fresh on our mind. But because we can only hold so much information, the more stories they filter in and out of our mind, they put it in there, make it important and push it out the next week. It literally all of this propaganda in the news is affecting our perception of time just with all of the information and sensationalism that they're throwing at us. Well, I don't know about that, but. Uh, I mean, I think I'm going to have to absorb what you're saying over time, but take I do. Some time. Take some time. I will, I will take some that. time. But I have noticed this, if this folds into that at all, is that the the primaries was the first season. Then the election, you know, the campaign, the head-to-head was the second season. And now the third season is this Russia thing. 
And it's just this ratings generated sensationalism, generating sensationalism for in like 10 month segments, just like, you know, a TV show would be or whatever it used to be. So maybe, you know, the sense of seasonality, just like your kind of TV show watching has that. So maybe, maybe it affects you. Yeah. And we brought up a second ago. Did you, you said you wanted to say something. Is that what you wanted? Just to one quick with? thing though, yeah. that JB gabbed at us that, or maybe she emailed me, but that uh, Rush has, she's, she was saying how the, the words that I've been using for the past like five years are all totally now corrupted. Deep state, fake news. I mean, so, so, so much stuff. Um, and now she said Rush has been talking about that the Russian lawyer chick at the junior meeting uh, is a honeypot. <laughs> oh, right. And that is uh, such a class, like something I absolutely said because. Use that word a lot. Yes, especially about Julian Assange. And, but it really historically referred to a female. So it has a little bit of a gross, like sex pot. Anytime it's a pot, it's a little bit gross. So, you know, <laughs> anyway, it's a receptacle. But the the Assange thing, what the honeypot is, is it attracts whistleblowers to the honey and then traps them so that they bring right back to the CIA all the stuff they were going to reveal. And then it gets whitewashed, turned into a limited hangout. Yeah. Like we were talking earlier. And uh and then uh you get scapegoats like Bradley you know, I thought maybe Bradley slash Chelsea Manning was a patsy because she actually or he went to jail, but Obama pardoned him on the yeah. way out. Well, I mean, which is nuts. Like how how is that okay? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, is that treason or what? Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Didn't but. Clinton pardon his brother? Oh. I think I read that. Oh, I don't know, but he pardoned Mark Rich, did he not? Or is Mark Rich still on the run? I mean, that guy was like, such a corrupt billionaire. But uh, anyway. So what you're saying, that Russian lawyer has apparently, I read this today, said that she is willing to testify if she receives protection, really fueling this whole fire of oh, contradictory gosh. stories. Did we talk about did I mention last time that McCain was was suing like the fake spy Christopher Steele or whatever? Yeah. That was so crazy. So yes, this stuff just adds like validity. Like when reality winner <laughs> Yeah. Right. Reality winner. When she was like arrested that totally validated this obviously ridiculous so called leak. Yes, and the intercept. Didn't you say the intercept is? Uh, they work. Uh, yeah, the intercept. They are, they're is, funding. They're paying for her defense. Partly. Oh my gosh, it's such bull. So I, I had originally fallen for Glenn Greenwald a little bit. Like I used to like his articles criticizing Obama because like nobody on the left would criticize him, even though he was clearly killing people in foreign countries. So that was a setup, though. That was Greenwald establishing a legacy, and then Edward Snowden is a total CIA agent. Who was whose job was to get us all used to being spied upon, and I predicted that the USA Patriot Act would become expanded, or this metadata stuff would become institutionalized, and lo and behold, Freedom Act Radio, the Freedom Act did that, and uh, and 
Snowden also gave us the panopticon effect where we all chill ourselves. I mean, he's an inside job all the way. And Greenwald was his mouthpiece. And then uh, their sponsor, their sugar daddy, Pierre Omajar, uh, is, is, was outed, I think not on purpose, as working hand-in-hand with the U.S. overthrowing the democratically elected government of Ukraine. So, um, you know, those guys are clearly BS. Well, they're helping out reality winner now. <laughs> okay, we mentioned this a minute ago. A lot of people, some people might not have heard it. They just broke this news today that next Wednesday, get ready, next Wednesday, live, 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 we're going to get to see <laughs> Trump Jr. and Paul Manafort testify before Congress. Or the Whoa! Oh, my gosh. Is it pay-per-view? It might as well be. People oh, my gosh. Over. They're probably going totally. to start doing these things at night. You know, it's going to be 7 p.m. Yes, in Congress. Yes. Maybe a delayed broadcast. Exactly. And you do it like on a Saturday so you guys can have like lunch at a bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's the guy's name who is the – Brennan? He's total propaganda. I mean all of it is, but this guy, just the questions he asked yeah. come complete with a conclusion. Yeah. And uh, I think his name is Brennan. He's the guy. He's a Democrat. He's the one of the heads of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Maybe I'm getting his name wrong. My apologies. I was way off on his name. It's yes. Mark Warner. That's who I'm yes. talking about. Oh, Mark Warner. Vom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally. He's the guy who got all the cellular licenses free. Yes. Isn't he that guy? About that guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he's like a, a hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's a lifelong politician who was there at the inception of the free licenses, right. which was later considered a scam and shut down, and he sold them all to AT&T or whatever for $200 yeah. million. Or, and the only whatever. thing his questions reveal is that he's a jerk. That's really the only thing that I get from his questions. He's like, insufferable. That's terrible. Insufferable. He's it. That's why I stopped down and started looking into where he came from. Like, what could possibly spawn that level of douchiness, you know, like, right. how do you get that way? And then I realized that he was a lifelong politician and uh, a crony, you know, oligarch type. Right. And he'll be interviewed by CNN, MSNBC, and there'll be sound bites from his questions played over and over again after this uh, open testimony on Wednesday. Paul Manafort is the undercard here. Trump Jr. is what's going to get people to watch. <laughs> so they're going to do Manafort first. You know, they might. You're probably right. Probably yeah. exactly what they'll do because yeah. people will watch. People you otherwise don't want people tuning out. I mean, it's what a waste of ratings. Yes, but Paul Manafort's the, the interesting one. That's the one that you want to see what kind of questions that they ask. And I'm really curious about it because there's probably half of the people in the room who have worked with Paul Manafort, who have paid him to lobby for them in some form or another, or have some in some way worked with him because that dude is connected. To everyone, John McCain, who might not be there because of his surgery. Right. Paul Manafort's firm lobbied for John McCain. I think it was in 2008. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Not to mention John Podesta, who also he has a, a lobbying firm, the Podesta Brothers lobbying firm. Manafort, there's a big story about Manafort having to register as a foreign agent. The story that didn't really get reported is that the Podesta firm also had to register as a foreign agent because it also was working for pro-Russia interests. And they did have a closed hearing with Podesta where I'm wondering if they actually asked him about 
his firm's lobbying efforts with with Russia because that's what they're going to be asking Paul Manafort about. So I wonder if Podesta got asked the same questions that they're going to ask Manafort. Another person who is connected to Paul Manafort is Tad Devine. Tad Devine was Bernie Sanders' like campaign head. His, uh, his I don't know if he called him his campaign manager, but he, he acted in the role of his campaign manager. Tad Devine worked for how do you say his name? Yanukovych. 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 Thank you. I have to work on my enunciation there. <laughs> but he worked for the Yanukovych campaign. Yeah. He lobbied for them from 2006 to 2010. Part of that time was the same time that Manafort lobbied for him. So they're Hold working on. for the Hold same on. guy. Hold up. Yanukovych, the democratically elected president of Ukraine, who was ousted in the coup run yes. by Victoria Nuland. That's yes. what we're talking about. Okay. You're saying his campaign to get elected? As yes. whatever it is, prime minister or president, president, uh, was run by McCain. No, it wasn't run. No, 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 no. It wasn't run okay. by McCain. It was. It was Tad Devine and Manafort both worked on that campaign to help him get elected. Yeah, elect Yanukovych, Manafort, and Tad Devine. Tad Devine, which is Bernie Sanders. Not only did he work for Bernie Sanders' campaign Mm -hmm. as like the head guy, he was a consultant for Al Gore. He was a consultant for John Kerry. He was a consultant for Jimmy Carter. And there's pictures of him in the White House with Obama and Biden, like next to a Christmas tree and stuff. All these people, (laughs) what really people should gather from these Senate hearings is that all of these people on the left and right are just intertwined and connected to these foreign powers. That's that is interesting. Uh, the John That's McCain what you should would, get from like the Operation Fast and Furious stuff too, and Benghazi and um, Iran Contra and everything. Is that this stuff goes is absolutely behind above and behind all the parties, right? And that's why I'm interested in, in his testimony is because I mean it puts a lot of these people who work in Congress or who used to work in Congress. On some shaky ground, they don't want Paul Manafort answering questions because they don't want it to go down the road that leads to them. There's just going to be, in my opinion, so many contradictions to point out after this hearing if it's only focused on Trump and Manafort and Russia because Manafort is tied to like everybody. Well, I actually think if you if you really wanted to get Trump, they could have done it long before he got elected just by digging into his casino stuff. His casino stuff was and like his sister as a federal judge, a mafiosa's left and right. I believe Russian mobsters too, Jewish mobsters, Italian mobsters. He had there were there's incestuous or cross cultural, I guess, relationships there too, especially New York and New Jersey. And uh, I just if they really wanted to. divulge how it really works like with chris christie and all these people look at um john corzine who was the head of goldman sachs he was the governor of new jersey he was a senator from new jersey he stole a bunch of people's money and he should have gone to jail and he totally did not so just look at the fact that he stole a bunch of money totally without worrying about it and he was right there's nothing to worry about because he didn't go to jail there's stuff like that in uh in some of the like with Trump never had to get a casino license or whatever. He didn't he didn't go through the normal vetting process for a casino. My husband had like some really remote connection with a casino and they they did more of a background check on my husband and my family, which was totally like well, uh, we don't see that guy too much, and I don't really know anything about wow. that conviction. But 
Trump didn't go through that process. It was like waived for him. And um, other things were screwy too. They could really get into uh, corruption and behind the scenes stuff and cross border stuff. And, and they're focusing on this something they know isn't real. Like the, the election stuff is not real. So they're focusing on something they know will not end up revealing anything because it's not real. Right. Yeah. They don't want to focus on the real stuff. I can't remember the quote exactly, the Roman quote about the Colosseum. You keep the people fat and entertained and they won't pay attention to the real stuff. They won't meddle in the foreign policy. The senators can be left alone to deal with the things they don't want the public touching. Bread and circuses. Bread and, wine. Bread Bread and, circuses. and circuses. Right. Yeah. Yes, we have it all. We have Prozac and Facebook. Russia has sex and vodka. <laughs> Europe, I think, Europe has fashion and food. Can we trade with Russia? My God. <laughs> I feel like that's just, well, everybody gets get, sex, right? Get, so, you know, I just, I feel like that's a cheap thing that you can, if you don't want to spend any money, that, that's in the, <laughs> that's in the pairing. And vodka is pretty darn cheap too. Ugh, I can't drink it. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Prozac and Facebook doesn't do it for me either. Yes, I think <laughs> there you go. Russia. Russia, the true threat. So yeah, I don't I think that they will not ask questions that will they they don't have to worry about getting caught up in the in the dredging because they're not actually dredging the right lake. Right. And, and what's going to be interesting to me is the reporting uh, on his testimony and Trump Jr.'s testimony, maybe someone does ask a question that causes Manafort to reveal something damning about somebody they don't really want to talk about. But it's going to be interesting because, you know, like 99 percent of people aren't going to watch the full thing. They'll tune in here uh, and there, but totally. they will report. The reporting will mostly be Trump Jr. They'll frame it and the, then they'll play a clip of Trump Jr. sounding yeah. either completely guilty or completely yeah. dumb. And they will play either very little of Manafort's testimony or they will play a very small amount of the comments he makes about working for that campaign and working. I feel like there that certainly Ivanka, but I had thought that Kushner and the two boys, Eric and Donald were also like the point for Trump. Trump's, Trump, in my opinion, Trump's a puppet, right? Or not even a puppet. Like he's just, I don't, I don't want to characterize him with that label. He's a guy who's playing a role, just like on The Apprentice and, and wrestling. He's a guy who's playing a role. His deep state connections are undeniable from Roy Cohn to his uncle, Dr. John Trump, to his sister, to the casinos. Undeniable. His father in front of Congress, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's undeniable. He knows what's going on. And uh, and here he is. One thing that was a big so he's getting paid for this, in my opinion. So however it works out, if he resigns, if he gets impeached, if he um, comes for a second term, I don't know. I presume and hope that he does not get assassinated, but I don't think that's off the table. Obviously, that's not something you would agree to. But whatever the price is, whatever the the his role, the thing he has to do, I feel like the payoff is twofold. I have always thought this. I thought he was going to lose to Hillary, but I still thought these were the payoffs. That that post office in D.C. is the thing that's going to actually make him a billionaire, and uh, or his family. And uh, I thought that the kids would be kind of 
washed, you know, like the Godfather, they want them, the kids to be clean, you know, be a legitimate political aristocracy in this country or whatever, that they would become a real dynasty or at least real billionaires and that they were laying off the kids. And I read a puff piece, hat tip Corey, uh, and I think the Washington Post about Ivanka made it just sewn out of whole cut from whole cloth. It was just completely made up from start to finish, in my opinion. Um, just, just, it was just framing her in a certain way. And then the boys, I don't know as much, but I feel like Kushner has to be off base. This guy would not off limits that, that Trump would not be doing what he was doing. A guy that old, oldest, oldest first time president ever, if I'm not mistaken, he's just not doing it unless there's, it's a legacy for his children. And that's what the money's for and all that. So I, I don't know how they're going to present junior, but I just, I think those kids are going to come out. Okay. Oh, I think they will as well. They'll be able to make any amount of money that they want after this simply because of all that's going on right now. They can write tell all books. They can do interviews. They can do speeches. They'll have, but I don't think they're going to be humiliated. Right. I think that is not is not something. Whereas I think Nancy Pelosi, um, if she goes down in a, you know, like the uh, O'Reilly and Roger Ailes and all these people who are uh, are not fading into the sunset, but are just like exploding at the end of their careers and getting big paydays. You know, this this trend to like take the money and be humiliated on the way out, which I see for real, might even be in store for Trump, a la Watergate. But I do not think that is in store for his kids. Well, you know, at least there won't be permanent humiliation. You know, the, yeah, the, nothing the, below the belt. Standing ovations now. He could walk into <laughs> a, a gay club at midnight and get a standing ovation simply because he's not president Trump at this point And time has passed. Yeah. Like every president's worst. I, I will say, I remember Reagan. I loved Reagan. And, uh, when he died and I saw all those two faced hypocrite ass kissers from the government and the media lining up, it's his coffin. All this crap. I was like, are you kidding me? I should be in his coffin, and you people should stay home. You know what I mean? I would not do that. I would not. I, I just It's just disgusting that, like, uh, they, they can be abusive, unkind, unfair, dishonest. I mean, I don't know 100% what to think about Reagan in retrospect, but they were ridiculous, and then all of a sudden, he's this hero, and they get to go to the little parties and whatnot. It's hypocritical, in my opinion. It shows yeah, a lack of principle. A lack of principle and just evidence of how these political players work. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna slander each other, but we know in the end we're all kind of working for the same team in, in certain aspects of it. Anyway, I know we differ on the faction belief to a certain extent, but I think I think they're frenemies. You ever heard the term frenemies? I think yeah, they don't like yeah. each other, but they that's work a SpongeBob term. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for a promotion. All right. You have anything else you want to say on that subject? Uh, no, I am curious to know about some of the uh, news that you have been um, eager to tell me about. 
Well, we've talked about we've talked about this quite a bit. Total information control. Yes, and, yes, that's my thing. Obama was the surveillance president, and Trump is the censorship president because information goes two ways. So surveillance is they get it all. And censorship is they push down what they want. And together you have uh, total information control, which the, the logo, the motto, I mean, for the total information awareness program under Bush was knowledge is power. Right. And they control what the public focuses on, how they feel about it by doing this. They can direct the thoughts of the American public as well as the emotional sentiment of the different parties, so to speak, by the way it's reported and by controlling the flow of this information. Harold Laswell talks about this in his book, which I've mentioned a lot, Propaganda During World War, is that it's impossible to totally censor out all information. You can't completely shut everything out. So knowing that certain information might somehow get out one day, what you have to do as an alternative is expect that it will get out and then inoculate the public from believing any of those outside views. So that way it doesn't matter. That way somebody could walk right up to you and say, the Clintons killed Vince Foster and they go, you're crazy. So it's that it's preventing people from believing anything other than the mainstream. Now that was on rocky ground because of the internet and because of all these alternative ways of getting information. And we talked a little bit about how the internet sources of information from the internet that aren't mainstream are being discredited, the various ways they're doing that. What I noticed is what's the other way we talk about spreading information without it being corrupted? We talked about the internet, but what is the strongest way to start a movement? Where? Oh, wait, hold on. Where is the strongest way to start a movement? Yeah. Is this not, a question? Not national. <laughs> Local? Yeah. Grassroots. Local. Grassroots. And that's already. Thank the you. That was a big The grassroots <laughs> movement. We, we talked about how those are corrupted, but the other sources... I have no hope at all for starting a movement, so well, I'm not thinking about it. They're on attack now. They're attacking local news sources. This is Oh, the- oh, really? Because I was just thinking today, I have to get this out. Can I get it out? Yeah, get it out. Get it out. No, no, you're good. Oh, my gosh. So I had to take off this week um, because of my just uh, terrible family situation. And then WSB played the... Like, without my asking or anything, they played one hour of my show from the previous week during my time slot on the air. And the hour they picked, they picked. And I got from my program director today, like, wow, that was a great, great show. Was the hour where we played how um, Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt and Catherine Ashton, all those people um, conspired to overthrow the democratically elected president of Ukraine, including killing people, both cops and protesters, to spark a riot. This is, We played and leaked phone calls about this stuff and uh, and uh, on the air, you and I, and then WSB just spontaneously was like, yeah, and played it. Then when you posted that show on YouTube and called it Putin didn't destabilize Ukraine, we did, they demonetized it, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so this is what I was thinking about. I was walking the dog today, and I thought of that. I was like, that is so crazy. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, if I ever got – I said, because I can't – I really don't have the kind of impact. They don't have to worry. If I ever got syndicated, then you would hear it. And I thought, wow, like local radio, local news is – 
is like the the last bastion of like free press i guess so what do you think the local stuff is under attack because we're absolutely uh, i'm gonna play you a video i'm gonna play you a clip uh, but don't you think that i mean i i I could just be i can't figure out you know i try to figure out like the nature of what i'm even doing on the mainstream media i can't figure it out they did that i have to feel like nobody watches the local stuff well cnn and other sources, because I started looking it up after to see who else is going after this. Not only CNN, the British guy that hosts that show last week tonight, John Oliver, he used to be on the yeah. show. New York so. Times, Salon, all of the – they all have a targeted attack on a local news broadcast, uh, somebody – a group that owns it. I had never heard of them, but they apparently own a lot of stations. Let me play you this clip. It's from a show called – reliable sources which is really ironic because the show <laughs> is fake. full of propaganda it's the whole the whole uh, purpose of the show is to discredit everything else except cnn like msnbc it's, it's just like bill maher politically incorrect and bill o'reilly the no spin zone i actually years and years ago <laughs> tuned in so it's just like oh my gosh no spin that's great i was like what that we have to bomb who all right. And politically incorrect. I'm like, oh, really? Like you censure people for using, uh, y- you know, off color comments? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what that is? That's that's straight from Aristotle's rhetoric. It's it's you dress yeah. like the other person. The weak, ugly man isn't going to be believed to be the rapist. So oh, the yeah, totally. Yes, yes. Doesn't says nobody can. I couldn't get away with anything, you know, so. He gives like the mindset of someone who will do you wrong, and he talks about these exact strategies that we see all the time with language. Aristotle. Do what? Yeah, Aristotle does. In Aristotle, the whole chapter devoted to nice. that type of stuff. It's interesting. So here's the clip, Excellent. and this is this is a it's kind of a long clip, but the whole it's the whole thing is necessary. It's about two and a half minutes, and here it goes. Now to an undercover story in the media world, a story about local news coverage. Here's a map of Sinclair owned and operated stations all across the United States. Dozens and dozens of stations owned by this company. If you're in one of these areas, chances are you'll be seeing a lot more of this former Trump White House official, Boris Epstein. Before he goes on, have you seen any local broadcasts with Boris Epstein? I have no idea who Boris Epstein is. I haven't either. But just I'm just pointing that out just to because they put a lot of emphasis on this guy to make it sound I like will he's now. everywhere. <laughs> they, they make we it will sound see like it that. now. They're yeah. advertising for him. All right. Here it is. You're right. You're right. Offering his commentary as chief political analyst now nine times a week on the local stations. He was a Trump campaign aide and then briefly a White House official. So it's no surprise that his bottom line segments parrot the administration's talking points or spin stories in the president's favor. Here's an example. Okay, now he just set up an example of someone spinning stories in the president's favor. He he made he makes it sound like what we're about to hear is just going to be blatant. Yeah, so he prejudged he, it for right, us. So we right. he went ahead and told his audience how to feel about it. Now, here's what he actually right. says. The bottom line is this. CNN, along with other cable news networks, is struggling to stick to the facts and to be impartial in covering politics in general and this president specifically. That's 100% well, that's true. true. Okay. <laughs> that's, all, I mean, that's not spin at all. That's, the guy Obviously, might, people right. defending CNN aren't going to say that. And, you know, but right. yeah. yes, it's true. 
And he might deliver propaganda in other ways, but that example they use, I mean, could they not find a better example? Give me a break. Here's the rest of the clip. This is something that has not got enough attention, I think. So joining me now is David Zerwick, media critic for the Baltimore Sun. Uh, You wrote about this this week, David. You said that Sinclair is taking a perilous path by increasing what they call must-run segments with Boris across all of its affiliates. Just keep in mind how innocent that clip was when this guy is describing what's going on here. The, and must run is just like it's their basic stuff. Exactly. I, and I hear must run, though, and this is why I asked you if you've ever seen a, a clip of him because I know we both pay attention to local media probably more than uh, your average person, and I, I've never seen a clip from this guy. And the the language they use – Who is the Sinclair station in Atlanta? I have no idea. Should I know that? I, I have no idea. I was looking it up the other day, and – I think they're about to get bigger. I think they're trying to like preempt them, or maybe they're part of the the whole program. I don't know, but just listen to the way. This I mean, my guy, guess is this is part of a dialectic. Yeah, listen to the way this guy describes Sinclair and the Boris dude. <laughs> okay. Why is this perilous? Well, it's you know, first of all, Brian, it's the pieces that Epstein has done, and I've looked at them, come as close to classic propaganda, as I think I've seen in 30 years of covering local television. Or Pause. Yeah. No, local what television. you just said is the closest thing to propaganda. Uh, no, it gets worse. I mean, he is about, <laughs> the closest thing to propaganda. Now, he is about to describe exactly what CNN, what Fox, <sighs> what MSNBC, what they do on a regular basis. I mean – it's, Can I just I'm tell you this. Yeah, go ahead. that this is what makes me like lose faith in democracy? Not that I have faith in democracy, but like the problem with democracy is a lot of people on the left listen to this guy and people on the right listen to like the counterpart of this guy with all the same. It's, it's blatant propaganda. And then I will get an email saying, oh, Monica, it's. That, you know, the left is just all propaganda, or I just, the right is just all propaganda. I'm like, no, they're both all propaganda. <laughs> you know? Right, right. All right. Now listen, okay. listen to the, the examples he describes. It's un- I was watching this with my jaw dropped at how blatant and just obscene the, not lack of awareness, but the, you know, the contra- the hypocrisy. National television. Uh, They're outrageous. Whatever the White House says, you know, President Trump believes there was voter fraud and he sets up this commission uh, to get data from the states and the states rightfully push back because it's very intrusive data. Yeltsin's, uh, uh, Boris Epstein's piece (laughs) on it ends with the state should cooperate with President Trump. And it's not just that, it's the imagery of some of the pieces. As he speaks in one of them, it says how he's delivering on his promises during the campaign. And what you see is Trump walking triumphantly on a stage with American flags flanking him on both sides, and it's shot from behind with a sea of people cheering with their arms raised and applauding him. Dude, Binkley, I feel like he copied your script word for word. I mean, you, you've been saying this stuff. I mean, that's like you, – you would have broadcast CNN. that CNN a year ago about this. Of Trump with ne- on, on their page, a picture of Trump directly next to it, a story with, you know, like a, a, a Jewish Israeli symbol being burned. Sites. About yeah, exactly. I mean, talking about imagery, they, they put dead babies all over the head uh, of, of their page. It's unbelievable. This is the same network that cut the clip from the 
alleged sister of the Milwaukee police shooting incident where they cut a clip to make it sound like she was saying or giving a call for peace, saying, I want peace, I want peace. Then when you find the full clip, yeah, the full yeah, clip isn't that. her calling for peace. It's sending people to the suburbs to burn down the white people's houses. Yeah, like, that was this pretty is the crazy. Same network that did that, having this guy on talking about the imagery propaganda. They all do this this bullshit. This was but here's unbelievable. The thing. Why would he? Is this like we're just too stupid, or the people watching too stupid to apply the principles he's explaining? to the the stuff on their side or is it this kind of controversial concept of revelation of the method where if you tell somebody how you're screwing them and they don't really fight back then they are consenting and you're kind of morally you know so if he says look we told you how it works and we you know so you're forewarned we can do it to you now and it doesn't make us unethical i mean that's a real i mean you gotta get out I think it's a little. Yeah, I think that relates to to dog whistling. Is every, I, in my opinion, everything is a little bit of a dog. Mm-hmm. Whistling. Is mm-hmm. the general crowd? Then there's the people who who are into. Oh, definitely dog whistling. I would say that's a little bit yeah. slightly different. But yeah, okay, got it. Right, yeah, and dog I, I, I hadn't thought of that. What they're doing here is they're they are so confident in their ability to exploit the psychological mechanisms of the public that they can reveal just, the they, method. They don't even, yeah, they don't even they care reveal it. that like they, they know that confirmation bias, they know that like somebody who's a very smart person who is buying into the propaganda will, can, will look at CNN and they will hear that and they will say, yeah, I know I see Fox do that all the time. And they will, their confirmation bias and, the, avoid, the natural avoidance of cognitive dissonance will cause them to not see it when they're looking at – I mean literally they will be blind to it when they watch CNN, but they will, it will be blaring to them when they see Fox. They cannot are they, see. Are they also trying to trigger like the Oberman stuff you were playing? I don't know if it was on. Oh, yeah, tr- like trigger like, – yeah. Trigger both sides. No, like yeah. both yeah. sides. So yeah. people like JB gabbed at us. I saw red when I heard that Overman clip and I was like, yeah, I think he meant to trigger us all on both sides. So like we are like what the the clip you just played to me makes me absolutely want to tear my hair out with the hypocrisy of it. I I think there, there could be a layer of that too. I I think that that's also part of it. And we, that's, they, they have their, they have their audiences in mind. All propaganda has, has their target audience and there's going to be that direct audience, which is, People who watch CNN because they like it, but they're also trying to agitate people like Can us. Can I just interject something? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. There's so we talk about the the psychological methods and the impact, and you know, here we are, like blah blah. I see this, you see that. I see this, you see that. It's all there. These guys are you know psychological geniuses or whatever. Well, I actually came upon just this week two different. Uh, in-depth studies on some of the tactics, the mechanisms by which they do this. One is that Robert Mercer, who is the Kellyanne Conway, Steve Bannon arm of Trump, he he could be the most influential, powerful supporter, campaign, you know, finance, uh, whatever, of Trump there is, Mercer, the Cambridge analytics guy, who what they do is psychographics, which we've talked about before, but it just... Corbett did a thing on it, and he cited Truthstream Media, and they did much more in-depth than I ever did. 
about how they categorize people of different, instead of using demographics, they use psychographics. So they characterize people's psychological profile and they know what to say to get them to respond how they want them to. And they have the data of like every person in this country. They have something like, I thought somebody said they have something like 20,000 data points or whatever on every single person. So they, first of all, they have that psychological stuff. And then the other thing I saw was, um, I think it was also referenced in one of these videos by Corbett, that video, maybe, um, this sentient, uh, scenario thing. It's like, sentient prediction model it's it it models the entire country or world all the people in it and then it it says what it's going to do um and then see what happens and they they so so the way they present it is yeah simulator that's what it is so the way they present it is um you know that way we know if there's a certain kind of terror attack you know what how people relax so we know how to be prepared meanwhile right. what they're actually doing is figuring out where to plan the next terror attack so you know to get the outcome they want they're doing it backwards they're not doing it forwards like oh let's wonder about all the different things they're saying we want this reaction let's back into it and and, and the project veritas guys caught on hidden camera the Demo- the democratic operative saying we scenarioed it out we we figured out all the different things we were going to do and how it was going to work. They war-gamed it, so to speak. Yes, and if you go back to the report from Iron Mountain in the 60s, so they're acting like this is new technology. In the 60s, it says, now that we have computers that can tell us the effect of the price of real estate in lower Manhattan from a minor change in the draft policy and be rest assured there would be such an impact and we can model it, now that we have this kind of power, we we can. Um, it's possible to understand uh, replacements for the war model of social control. Uh, but uh, yeah. so so I'm just saying, like we talk about this, and they know what's going to happen. They really know because they do the psychographics. They know their audience, all that kind of stuff, and then they know. And I'm not saying that guy who was talking. I'm saying whatever the people at the Brookings institution or wherever it is where not, and that's probably not a techie thing, but or this Mercer guy, that's the thing, the guy, the Cambridge analytics, like parent company, whatever these investors, it's just a bunch of like math guys and tech guys. And, uh, you know, they have these kind of tech oriented think tanks or whatever, uh, where the information is known. It's just psychological triggers and all that kind of stuff are known. And then a plan is adopted and then it, and then it just unfolds. And I would, I think that's the origin of some of this stuff that we're talking about and seeing. It's not like, oh, I wonder if this will stick. It's they know damn well exactly the impact. And that's how come they can get away with making it so damn stupid. Uh, absolutely. You would never guess you, if you were just, just guessing haphazardly what might work, you would never scenario, you know, make a scenario this stupid, but they must have discovered through their efforts of dumbing down society that it could be this damn stupid and and also extremely effective. That what you just said is at the core of what Bernays' whole philosophy is. It's people are they have behavioral patterns that they follow that are influenced by the groups that they're associated with and the leaders of those groups that have influence over the group. And, you know, the, the ultimate goal for someone like Bernays was in order to make this, you know, a mechanism of complete control is you need a system of mass communication where you can 
direct the flow of information to the public, and you need to understand all of the various groups that people are a part of in their lives and the influence that each of those groups have on that person and the leaders of those groups and how to influence the leaders of those groups. And now with Facebook and all of the information available about people and their online behavioral search patterns and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, they, they now have access to that type of information that tells them what types of groups everyone is part of. So yeah, they that can, alone, yeah. yeah, that alone would explain people are like, how can you expect, how can you think people, people who are not naive, maybe I'm wrong, but think that the internet is a threat to the system. But in my opinion, the stuff that you're talking about, how they're able to, the information they can gather by aggregating it all yeah. is so, 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 so much more powerful than you and me engaging in open source investigating and talking about it. You know, I don't know what critical mass this kind of activity would have to hit to actually be a threat to them, but I just feel like the power behind that psychographic stuff and then the media stuff, um, they take it and then they push it back down, which is why the surveillance element was first, get all the information flowing, suck it up, and then they can start controlling how it comes down to us before we have sparked something. Um, and I might interject also that the BBC, which is, of course, owned by the British government, I believe was started as a uh, a... Um, project of the War Department, right? And, and this and is we have why, that too. CBS, I think, was too. Yeah, this is why they're targeting local now because that access to that information has given them that power. Uh, it just makes me so sad. And but I think I'm not sure they're targeting. I'm. I think they're pumping this guy up for a dialectical purpose. Maybe, but I'm going to play you the rest of the clip too. There's Alrighty. still a little bit left on it. One other thing before I start it up again. Yeah. I don't remember if it was in this clip. Maybe we'll hear it in a second or if it was somewhere else that I saw this. But I saw someone when they're talking about the Trump-Russia campaign because they're trying to do this as well. Somebody said – they said we need to do an investigation into Cambridge Analytics and how it helped Trump target specific areas and how it helped the Russians get to specific areas. So they're trying to create some sort of – or fabricate some sort of physical evidence because when this thing first started, the idea of like collusion is like, okay, well, you're going to have to prove how many Hillary Clinton votes. How many people that were going to vote for Hillary Clinton or that yeah. were decided mm -hmm. saw some news piece, some fake news in their area in the in one of the states that Trump won, and because of that news, switched their vote and voted for Trump. And so they're moving closer and, and closer to that to try and, to prove and, that. But why is it? Why does that even matter? Because I mean, not to <laughs> people get so emotional about the. Israel is, I think, a this the a, has a dialectic surrounding it as well, where people just want to get at each other's throats. Just saying the word is like hot, right? Uh, but these got all the candidates. They they shut out Ron Paul, but other than that, all the candidates go and kiss the ring of IPAC, which is small. I mean, it doesn't. It's not like your rank and file um, Jewish Americans. It's like uh, small, I think a small group of super rich guys who uh, I, I haven't done any research into it, but I assume they have 
there's some of those guys uh, who have a lot of media influence and they are openly a, uh, a liaison between uh, Israeli interests and American politicians. So should we investigate how many votes they change or how much they're, um, they influence or maybe influence politicians directly? I, I'm not opining on that, but I'm, I don't understand why we just care if it's Russia. Do we care about, well, what about the UK? The UK, some exactly. people the UK run us. manipulates <laughs> us all the time. And didn't, isn't the Fed, wasn't the Fed a way to get American dollars to, to underwrite European central banks a hundred years ago? I'm pretty sure that it was that it, it was that. And to, uh, and we did, we bailed them out in 2008 to the tune of like trillions of dollars. And, uh, and some people think that, that the, Revolution was lost when Alexander Hamilton started the first central bank that we that he gave it back to the British bankers even back then. So yeah. so I should say worried, the UK elite, I mean, not the UK in general, but the UK yeah. elite. But if they if what we care about is foreign influence, then we need to address that across the board. Right. And if and, we and, don't, right. and I don't even necessarily think we should, I think we should scrutinize policies as being consistent with American interests across the board. That I think we should do. I actually never really care about what people are doing as long as we stick to our principles and preserve our uh, foundational laws, the Constitution, which I grudgingly accept, although I prefer the Articles of Confederation, and the you Bill of Rights, which I think is of Confederation. We need because to do they did not allow the government to, the federal government to collect taxes to tax is to destroy. So, so I'm just saying if we are hyper vigilant about making sure wars are defensive and, uh, and our rights are never encroached upon, no matter what the threats, then we don't have to worry about what's an inside job and what country's doing what we need to not allow this propaganda to influence what we decide the policy is. My father taught me, uh, Oh, I'll get this rant back real quick. But my father taught me growing up, he said, you have to have all your principles in order. You have to really know the difference between right and wrong. And then anytime something comes up, you'll know the answer. You never have to sit there and agonize and weigh and what might happen and what he said, if principles are there for a reason, he would say it's a reflection of, you know, God's will or whatever. I might add that it's a, uh, a um the result of thousands of years of of civilizations civilizations lessons in the context of human nature but in any case principles are principles they're immutable and if you start violating your principles you destabilize everything from your own family to world politics so so when they say we have to you know, things are different now from when our constitution was formed or we have to pick these countries to blow up because of the way they treat their own people. Uh, you know, it's not it, like like the war on terror. It's, 
it's not a war, you know, it's a criminal thing. It's there are for Osama bin Laden, there should have been a, letters of mark and reprisal. We have that in the constitution. It's to, it's to get international criminals, you know, you can't just to bomb foreign countries with like citizens who have no control over the criminals that you're talking about. What's a letter uh, of remark and reprisal again? It's, I, I believe it's where you, you identify a person who's wronged, you know, done something wrong and you can get them back. So you could have hunted down Osama bin Laden. It was fine to do that. You have to do it. I mean, assuming he did it, you know, like you first, you, you would kind of have to have some kind of trial and evidence and stuff, I guess. And then you hunt them down. You don't just say, okay, we need to restructure the Middle East because of yeah, this thing. Yeah. This one, per- you know, we invaded Iraq based on 9-11, admitting that Iraq, under even the most implausible official narrative, Iraq isn't even mentioned. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so if, to get back to where I was going, is that if you, if you ask who's behind it, Russia, Israel, the UK, what, what, what's going on here? Uh, and you, you want to just figure out every little thing, you know, you're not going to figure out the world politics, the politics of other countries, the right and wrong in another culture. You're not going to figure any of that stuff out. You have a job to do. It's to join together in mutual defense, respecting the rights of each other. If, if, you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't encroach on other people's rights. And that's the whole point of having government and bill of rights and all that stuff. So uh, you don't have to answer all these questions. You just have to guard vigilantly our just foundational laws and, and just hold, hold stand firm and be willing to die for it. Be willing to die for the fourth amendment. You know, I mean, I'm not, Believe me, I'm no hero, but <laughs> as my mother said, we are born to die and I'd rather die fighting. You know, that that's what, that's the problem with the compromise is that you don't actually get what you were after anyway. And, uh, and that's why I just feel like this whole thing, even if it were true, would be a waste because... Anyway, I didn't let you because of the hypocrisy. <laughs> because Trump, yeah, Trump met with Putin and didn't report it in a room full of like twenty other world leaders, and he also met with other world leaders and didn't report it in a room full of twenty world leaders. Like the latest yeah. story about Trump meeting with he had a, a meeting with Putin that he didn't talk about. They even said on CNN this type of thing isn't normal, but in the circumstances, because it's Russia, it is <laughs> not normal. I'm like you just said it wasn't normal. And then that said was, or was normal, and then yeah. said it, it's just the the hypocrisy within the same sentence, the same breath is and, unbelievable. And there are legal principles about damages and standing. So if he did this thing and there were no damages, you know what I mean? There's no policy influence afoot. You know what I mean? There's no damages, and there's no standing. There's no person who is damaged. No no person's rights were violated or entity. That's if you focus on the actual principles, you don't have to run around in circles like that. But you were talking about this guy, Boris, and his bottom line thing, which I can't help but think sounds like a ripoff of Ben Swan's reality check. Yeah, maybe. So, okay, which was, you know, he was local. Right. And the point of focus that the media directs people's attention to is. It's how they exploit the confirmation bias and just the way they the way they've reported. I believe I believe I mentioned something about this last week, but when you emphasize that 
Trump talking to Putin without reporting it at the G20, and you just make that the most important thing, and th then you either don't talk about how it's normal to do that, and he also did it with others. When you don't give that context or you reveal that context in a way that's, that's demeaning or, or doesn't make it mean anything, then the person who wants to believe that it is insidious will, and will believe it. It's like saying – it's like saying Donald Trump – I'm playing like you know death music. Donald Trump has a meeting that goes unreported with Vladimir Putin. And in other news, Hillary Clinton, lighter <laughs> news, murdered Vince Foster. Moving on. It's just the way they present it. Somebody goes, oh, did you hear Hillary murdered Vince? Oh, it's great. You know, it's just the way that they, they, they leave that imprint on people's brain exploiting what they're inclined to believe based on those group formations and that psychometric data that we were talking about a little while ago. That was, that was heavy. <laughs> I am, I am weighted down by that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll play. Let's get back into this clip. There's so much okay. good stuff in it. And, and here's what's more dangerous about it with Sinclair is people are getting this within the context of their 30 or 60 minute local news. So they're getting where they get their high school sports scores from, where they get their local weather from, where they get it in the context of these people they've come to trust. Because one of the narratives of the right is you can't trust anything nationally. It's only local you can trust. You see that? Really that going after crazy. local. Wait, so who are these people talking? I feel like I, I can't see them, so I want to... One I, of them is Brian Stelter, who is intolerable. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just really, really hard to watch. You'd probably recognize him if you saw him. Yeah. Another one is... I can't remember who they have. Usually the go-to guest is, you know, you'll have Bernstein on like 40 shows on CNN every day. <laughs> is he still kicking around? Yeah, we have the man who broke uh, Watergate, Watergate. He didn't even break it. It was a nothing burger. He just pumped it up. Yeah, he said what his name was at the beginning. I can't remember what it was, but it was somebody who was investigating this matter. But like I said, Stelter is And this is all CNN. Well, it was on CNN, and then there was Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which is an HBO show that also is put it's published on the internet on YouTube like a few days after the show airs on HBO he did like an 18 minute segment specifically on this really on the same thing yeah on the same thing on that same network. what was what was scary about what that guy just said was that he said this was dangerous right because it was being local. embedded in stuff you trust dangerous it's dangerous information since right. when you know what I mean? Like, is it so yeah. negates the concept of free will? It's so elitist to say it's dangerous for people to have information. Yeah, and they showed a map too. They, they use imagery, as the guy talked about uh, at the beginning, where he said, "Here's a map of all the stations owned by uh, whatever that whatever the name of that uh, media company is again by Sinclair by Sinclair." Sinclair. Media. Then they flashed a map that just had dots just all over it, like a, like a virus had spread across. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's me. Oh, that's Atlanta. You can right. see yeah, it. I'm infected. We're infected. You know, yeah. I mean, talking like they're using imagery propaganda and talking about how to, to bunk imagery, propaganda. imagery propaganda. It was just a shocking clip to me it's of how blatant perfect. it was. A super rich. Yeah, totally. So. I think for the moment I've exhausted my commentary on that clip. Uh, what do you do? You have anything else to say? 
No, it was a great. It was great that that, that yeah, show is a great that. source of propaganda. It claims <laughs> to be to to be on the watch for propaganda, but it's just oh my gosh, it's like the no spin zone or the Absolutely. politically incorrect. It's 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 entertaining to watch when you watch it, like we said, through the episodic mindset and through the okay, what bullshit are we gonna get today? You know, <laughs> just kind of see what new angle they're gonna take it to. And you go, oh my gosh, I never thought of that angle. You know, so it's interesting to see. Just like watching The Flash, what's going to be the new twist this week or, or whatever show you like to watch? So, yeah. Oh, wait. I got you. I had another clip that I just, I want to get your opinion on. I want to get your opinion on the two, two of the subjects that come up in it. And also, this is an example of the emphasis of information, like what they're saying is important and what they're saying is secondary. This is a clip of how Jake Tapper opens up the lead. He always opens up the lead with some snarky remark every single time. Uh. And this time, I thought it was interesting because he opened up a little snarky like he does. And then at the very end of his intro, he throws in two really serious and complex issues. Here it goes. Thanks, Brooke. From I alone can fix it to I ain't gonna own it. The lead starts right now. A day after saying, let Obamacare fail, President Trump invites every Republican senator to lunch at the White House to unveil a brand new health care strategy. That's three strategies in just two days. He also twisted some arms along with the pepper shaker. Breaking news, a new Washington Post report says that President Trump is ending the program to arm Syrian rebels fighting Assad. That's potentially music to Vladimir Putin's ears. Was that item discussed? In that meeting with Putin that the public didn't know about until last night. Do you notice what he made important? It, 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 the the meeting that he didn't report, and that's yes. Vladimir Putin's here's when the important thing is that you know the complexity of the Syrian rebels and that we've been arming them with weapons and who they're killing and who they're not killing. Yeah, I was trying to actually sort through that when he like. Needed about Putin. Right, <laughs> I was exactly. like, no, wait, that means we're going to start bombing them or put boots on the ground. I mean, this is serious. Right. Uh, and here's the rest of it. Plus, unstable dictator, unstable weapons. A new warning that North Korean missiles can reach the United States and where they might land is anyone's guess. <laughs> <laughs> Be very afraid. <laughs> yeah, we need to guess. obliterate North Korea. Any country on this planet that is within range of any weapon they might someday acquire should be obliterated immediately. Yeah, and we don't know where it's going to go. It might no, be right just, just get rid of all the other countries. And, and then, then it might divert just, at the last second. And then we should just commit suicide at the end because... That might be how he ended the show. I have no if idea. If we blow up the entire Earth, then we will safe. win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we yeah. win. But that, that type of story frame... Because you know what I think about North Korea. Yeah, I know. You, uh, I believe you think that they're like a puppet for us. Well, Joe Atwell, who I've been liking listening to, talking to Tim Kelly on our interesting times, warning the deepest rabbit hole you'll ever go down. So, <laughs> like that old thing. Is that a challenge? Um, I don't know. Somebody did actually tweet at me like, what was the name of that show? <laughs> I was like, it's our interesting times. So, um, actually, he does fall short of aliens, I think. Um, no, I know he does. He does. He does not uh, talk about aliens for sure. Not. Um, he's good though. I'm not saying that. Uh, the, he said, Atwell said that the CIA 
basically controls North Korea to give an excuse for us to be at China's doorstep, to us to have a foot in the door in Asia. They have to be nuclear because that makes it relevant to us. And as soon as he said that, then I also, shortly after that, came upon a Jay Dyer video or article or whatever, where he just shows, Jay Dyer does a lot of that Hollywood stuff I sent you a book he wrote. Um, yeah. He picks apart the pictures and how absolutely ridiculous the pictures are, which makes sense to me, which is why I believed the parody tweet feed of North Korea as being real, because their stuff is is like a parody of itself. His dumb haircut, you know, like their, their blow-up missiles, like they're actually fake, some of them, like actually made of balloons. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just so stupid, and the belligerence and the just silly things they say uh it's it's just i you know you just want to tell the guy to get a decent haircut and and this could all be over tomorrow <laughs> you know i mean just look at it and you're like he looks crazy so so once atwell said you know he's probably it could be a ci i was like oh that's obvious and then i jade dyer picked apart like the sets you know he's like look at that none of the computers are even plugged in which i think they were <laughs> plugged in underneath but like they, once you just looked at it and through those eyes you're like yes they're definitely not a threat to us so it's just too exaggerated and uh yeah so that's my thing about north korea and then the way jake tapper said it, you have no idea when and where this unpredictable complete lunatic nut job is going to drop the first nuke. It could be, I mean, you might want to turn the TV down so you can listen for the, you know, that you're going to hear before that nuke drops on your house. (laughs) That's what they want you to be terrified. I mean, I noticed that with the North Korea thing and they must, Obama and even Trump try to do the humanitarian bombings where they say, well, we're really worried about the children there. So we're going to drop some bombs. Yeah. The beautiful babies or, uh, the chemical weapons. It was the same thing, actually, for Obama. Like, we were worried about the children, so we need to just send a lot of bombs into their country immediately. And uh, that doesn't work because it doesn't make sense. And the left, that response to the humanitarian stuff, isn't as fired up about war as they seem to be with their silence. But uh, so they realized that they had to make it defensive. And then they made it ISIS. They make it terrorism. And uh, yeah, has to look like defense. That's a it has to be defensive because that yes, and it's and it's such a basic principle. It's the last principle that we'll do away with because it's the first and only principle. It's the only principle of, in my opinion, and I'm the only person who said this. I don't think it's been vetted. I could have could be missing something, but it's the it's the only principle of of our rights. There's only the principle of self-defense. There's no right to life, actually, because you die, you know, like your nature takes that away from you. It can't be inalienable because it left your own devices taking no action whatsoever. You will ultimately die. So you have no rights really whatsoever except for self-defense. And that's the basis of all of our associations, our government associations and our, our, um, what justifies the actions of our government ultimately always has to lay in that. I mean, I guess if you're a platonic collectivist, but that's not what this country is supposed to be. And it's also fundamentally not true. It's that defensive thing that is true. So 
you can always resort to that or you must always resort to that if you if you really want to get back. So they had to you have to have a nine eleven. Yeah. In order if it weren't for nine eleven, like even when I say like we those people over there are no threat to us. We have to stop bombing them. The more you bomb them, the more they're a threat to us because then they are justified in trying to lash out any way they can. And then people will say, and I think to myself, 9-11, if it was an attack from those countries and those countries cannot control it, then you have to go over there and control those countries. Of course, the country it came from was Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like they were all Saudis, <laughs> all those guys. So that's the country you should blow up, but whatever, we shouldn't. Right. Yeah. Because that People in have to itself, feel like their lives are in danger. That to feel like their lifestyle, <laughs> right. that, but, and you know. But nine eleven itself, even according to the the insiders or the or the U.S. government guys, was blowback. Right. Yeah. So so even then, it's like you have to. It's a. Uh, it's not justified, but I'm saying you always, they will always go back. It'll always do the Jake Tapper thing. They will always try to scare the crap out of you to get you to buy in on the, on, on bombing other countries. They simply must tell you it's defensive where you're going to hell. You know, yeah. like a lot of these people think it's not, it's consistent to promote these wars and be a moral person. And the the reason they think that those two things are consistent, which they are not, is that they believe the propaganda that tells them it's fundamentally defensive. Absolutely. And, and that's what makes it challenging as well is every war is going to be presented as one that's fought on the defensive, that's fought to protect the innocent, the women, the children, our own lives and lifestyle, that we must do it. Otherwise, the evil monsters won't And that's it. why it all comes down to the information. Exactly. And yeah, so it's so difficult when to deter, to differentiate between a real – I mean it might be real because they could provoke something to happen. They, they, they might create it. They might be involved in it, or they oh, might yeah, yeah, willingly yeah, provoke yeah, yeah. it. So yeah, it, false it makes flags it so and difficult. everything else. Exactly. Yeah, so, so yeah. much. Even just even just biased, you know, picking and choosing. I mean, there's so all these countries. They every government in the world abuses its citizens. Why don't we pick like the two that happen to have gas pipelines? You know, yeah, into yeah, Europe. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like why why are those the ones? All of a sudden, you're just like, well, we just simply can't stand this. This is not yeah. okay. The best I mean, looking babies. The best yes. looking babies. <laughs> That's good. So, but the Yemen, you have Yemeni babies, you know. Have you ever uh, seen those uh, little dog uh, faces? I can't even look at this. Let's bomb those They're babies disgusting. right now. I can't even They're look at them. Th those babies should not be allowed Ugh. to grow up. <laughs> it's, instinct it's instinctual. They're so ugly. He just presses the button. And you know what? The entire Yemeni population probably is just hideously grotesque because now 300,000 of them have cholera. <laughs> yeah, they're having hard because they're de-industrialized. Right. It's it's yeah, not yeah. funny. Because I was reading I I'm laughing at the irony and this I'm not Yes, no, it's 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 insane. So the Yemeni I, I, I unearthed an article from a long from several decades ago explaining like a Yale thing or some kind of think tank thing, very guy it was in the government. And it talks about how Yemen 
was going to be the first country allowed to fail, that a state was allowed to fail. And that it used to, they couldn't risk it because the Soviet Union would come in and that would become an asset of the opponent. But since that threat was neutralized, so I guess this must have been like 1990 that this was written. I believe, I could be wrong. I got to find it. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, that they could just let it fail and it wouldn't pose a threat because there's nobody there to, to uh, scoop it up. But now I suppose that there would be, you know, the Iran-Russia axis perhaps. Um, in any case, Saudi Arabia needs, Yemen has an important port for Saudi Arabia, if I recall correctly. And, uh, and the funny thing is that the prior government, so now the Yemen is kind of splintered, the government's splintered, but they had a government that was like, uh, whatever we recognized it as a unified government. That was the guy who we got all the Osama bin Laden chatter. If you ever watch the shadow factory, like Michael Scheuer and James Bamford, I think his name is, they talk about how Scheuer was the Osama bin Laden CIA chief. Like his job was to follow Osama bin Laden before nine 11. And he said, they kept hearing all this chatter out of Yemen. So it was like triangulating between like Yemen and California and either Saudi Arabia or maybe Afghanistan. I can't remember, but it was coming out of Yemen and the underwear bombers are out of Yemen and all that kind of stuff. So the government that presided over that, right? So we invaded Afghanistan because Osama bin Laden took refuge there or whatever. And we think consider that justification to say that, that Afghanistan effectively declared war on us. But it was Yemen where where the coordination for 9-11 was coming out, if I understand correctly what those guys are saying. And it's only after that government was deposed that we started attacking Yemen. So if that, you know, illuminates anybody. But in, in any case, I think the day of the failed state is over. But Yemen has always been uh, highly abused by the West with no consideration whatsoever for the people there as as human beings and i do think that they're like the mexico of saudi arabia as far as yeah. like labor oh uh, really? yes i believe so i believe that saudi arabia basically if you're a saudi citizen i i mean this could be just a total stereotype generalization but like you don't work <laughs> like 90 percent of the population is yemeni whatever yeah. laborers who don't have a claim to the oil money because I think Saudi Arabia, like they have negative taxes. Like I think Alaska might have where there's so much oil money. They actually pay the people. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a lot of oil. It's super hard to get citizenship in Saudi Arabia. I suspect. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it's just, it's what we've been talking about. It's that focus of, of importance if this is the information you focus on this is so they don't focus on the other and this is what they make important i think it's i believe it's called the media framing effect if i recall i'm pretty sure that's what it's called but the media framing effect unfortunately for yemen they aren't made the point of focus and the point of importance for defense so the public they they allow the hypocrisy 
I mean, the hypocrisy is what's, this is, this is my problem. There's no principles at stake here because whatever country you're looking at, whatever, whatever we're doing in these countries, you just take the scenario and try to craft some moral argument and then deliver that back home. Exactly. There's no consistent principle whatsoever. So I'm a non-interventionist and people will, like, if you watch, uh, Tucker Carlson, who for some reason the alt-right and the kind of side-stream media is promoting like mad these days as like the answer to Fox, even though he's on Fox. Um, and his dad was such a deep state propagandist himself yeah. uh, that, you know, they'll they'll really rip the non-interventionist as the one responsible for terrorism, responsible for refugees, responsible for people dying over there. Absolutely. I'm saying, yeah, a non-intervention as an, a non-interventionist, I have a consistent principle that will cause a ton less damage, and there is no consistent principle in in what our foreign policy actually is, except for to intervene for the benefit of those who influence the people who have the power to make those decisions. Right. That's, That's another principle from I'm reading, I'm rereading rhetoric again. That's why I'm bringing the book up more, but that's, that's another principle founded in Aristotle's rhetoric is if they're not with you, then you make them out to be as bad as the enemy. Yeah, that, that works. Cause we oh hear that God. throughout time. If you're not with us, you're against us, but totally. You know, that's one of the foundational books for the whole. Oh, Nikki Haley said it about North Korea. George Bush said it about if you're not with us and you're with the terrorists after ninth of the towers fell. Oh, so, mother yeah. in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a couple more things. The uh, you know I think we should start doing. I don't I don't have a whole bunch of stuff on it this week. Just a couple, but I think we should start doing this week in in the resistance. To where we because I get all these emails. You have to action. do it. I can't. I don't have. Yeah, to. I, I can I do it. I can't even watch the mainstream media. I can't even right. watch the stuff on the right. I definitely, or as my father would say, I sure as shit am not watching the stuff on the left. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I think it's interesting it. because I've noticed that you get the talking points in these emails before they come on the news. So it's like you're getting the script. I think I told you I called. Dude, oh my gosh. The fact that the other guy was also reading the script, just like, I I still can't make sense of that. Yeah, he was very, very close. It's funny. They must have called him so many times. They started transcribing it before they delivered it So I think that what I just said didn't make sense to people who don't know the story, but you got one of these scripts from Indivisible about how to call your senator and whatever, and they told you what to say to the staffer, and they gave you a sample script of what you might expect the staffer to say. And I'm telling you, when I listened to your recording, which was a little nasty because that fella seemed awfully nice. He was very nice. <laughs> he was very-, it was very nice, but he clearly had the script in front of him or the person, you know, I don't know, but I get obviously the most plausible answer is that the because the indivisible thing is written by staffers. They I mean, they say yeah. that like they're they're just conscientious staffers paid by no one. <laughs> right, yeah, right. And they're like, oh my gosh, as soon as we posted it, we got like six hundred thousand hits and we just like crashed immediately. Right. right. You try I have a radio show I've had for six years. And I don't think I've had six hundred thousand hits in my entire life. I'm not saying I deserve it or anything, but I'm just saying 
you if you're just doing something because you think it's cool and you're sending it to a few friends, it just just doesn't do that in one day. Like there's just no possible way unless you are launching Facebook Live with a murder, you are not getting those kind of hits. Oh, a- absolutely! Like did, I-, I was re- like, yeah. It, it, the thing is totally. It's not they, – they keep pushing this grassroots thing. That's the biggest bull that I – it's so connected to money. It's unbelievable. And this guy was super nice. You're right. I, I, I was saying he, her. You're supposed to say one. You're supposed to pick the sex. <laughs> I'm saying he, her, and he's still reacting to he, me. The best thing – and you posted this thing in its entirety, right, on PropagandaReportDaily.com? Yes. It's okay. on my YouTube page. And it's on PropagandaReportDaily.com. Okay. And I think towards the end of it, I no, – That's the funniest thing. Can I say yeah, it? When I, I, like, I said the thing in script. That was about, um, yes, oh, no, can you, I give you my information and you take down my information and let me know? <laughs> and then right. he responded, and then it didn't tell me to give my information, so I never gave the information. I just kept reading the script, and I said, now can you read the information back to me? And the guy was like, uh, you haven't given it to me yet? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then did you or did you say no? no I, thank I, you very I, much. I told, him I, I told him I'd call him back with my information. <laughs> So you went through the entire thing, and the whole point was that they were to get back to you. Right. I didn't. And of all things that you should probably have at your fingertips was your own name. I don't know. I I didn't know what to say. Um, It was pretty funny. So this week in the resistance. It was a little silly. I didn't play it on WSB because it was a little silly. Right. It it, it was silly. I just wanted to see how the guy would react, and I wanted to see if he'd follow closely to script as well. It's so hard for me to listen to that stuff, though, because I feel like it's it's making fun of people personally, and I just – Well, I wasn't. I wasn't mean. I I think that's bad manners. He probably gets 50 calls a day of people that – I made it pretty obvious I was reading from a script. He probably gets people to make it even more obvious. I think he totally thought you were just low IQ. I'm sure. He thought – like the fact that he thought – the fact that he couldn't tell that I was kidding to me is – it just shows that there are people calling him doing the same yes! thing. Yes. Yes, that he's absolutely used to it. It did not phase him in the slightest right. bit. That's what oh blew my mind. Oh, my gosh. Would it be exploitive if I had my son who has Down syndrome? I, I do that. <laughs> I can't answer that actually to tell you the truth. That kid is more aware of politics yeah. than my other kids because he goes to public school and sure. I mean, he is just brainwashed. It's, it's yeah, hilarious, yeah, yeah. but he know he gets a few things wrong. Like he thinks Marco Rubio owns Rubio's, which is a restaurant chain and on the right. West Coast that he likes. Yeah. And uh, he thinks that Ted Cruz offered free burritos for anyone who voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of propaganda he got out of somebody. But Maybe he's he absolutely, did. yeah, yeah, it could be. Or that's what they taught him at the school. I don't yeah. know. But the stuff he comes up with, it really makes me nervous because they fill his mind with all these racial ideas. Yeah. And he's like, Down's kids can be fa- fairer. So he's super fair. It's blue eyes and stuff. So he walks around and he says, he just, this is mantra, Donald Trump wants to return Africans to slavery. Oh my gosh. And they're teaching him that. I would never. Yeah. I, I mean that, I, I don't even, I don't even say African-American. I say black because I just, I, I, I don't even, it's just 
too identity politics for me. Yeah. And uh, so he like gets stuff wrong, you know, and it's so close to the edge, you know, like, like it's a terrible thing to say colored people, but you could say people of color. And if you're going to like have those kind of nuances, the dance community is not the place to expect it to take because he just and i get super it super makes excited. me wonder because the teachers oh, have answer. to have special education training so they have to know that it has this type of effect on the students so that sounds like it's intentional on the teacher's part to me well they definitely want to give him a sense of identity politics yeah you know not his identity i don't even know what it is because he's got a spanish surname and uh, but I don't know. So, but the part, I mean, so he just like, they teach him about other cultures and everything and he'll walk around and be like, look, mom, that guy is from China. You know, and he'll point his finger at somebody's face. And I'll be like, you don't know if that guy's from China. He's like, yes, you do. Look at him. I'm like, you don't know that, you know, it's Asia. And I don't know. I don't know. He's most likely from America, you know, like don't say stuff like that and point to people, but he gets excited. Like when he saw a little person, we yeah. were in a, in a suite and he saw a little person and he was just like, oh, I saw you on TV. You know, the guy's like, yeah, you definitely did not see me on TV. And he was just like, yes, I did. You're a grown up, right? And he was just like, the guy was so ready to just take him down, you know? Have and you seen like, the movie? Because Help. my, my son's a little Ferrell? mild. Yes, oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. My son's mild. So you can't really tell. Like maybe yeah. you can't tell by looking at him. I really do not know, but it gets awful. It's this identity stuff. So yes, yes, yes. The next thing he would say is, You're an angry elf. Yeah, that would be right. Yeah, yeah. Super that, that's bad. interesting to me. That's I, I kinda wanna research that now. The it's upsetting special... to me. You know, I it's yeah, funny, I know. but it's upsetting because I do not talk that way at home, especially right. because of him, because you just can't you can't tell him stuff like the you know somebody's sick and dying or whatever because he'll go up to him and say, "Oh, you know, I hear you're dying." You know, like you can't say that. You know, like I'm so sorry. You're, you know, it's just not cool. Yeah. You got to watch it. You can't tell. He's got no super ego. He has not no filter between him and the world. He does not know what hurts people's feelings or what makes people uncomfortable or what's appropriate or inappropriate. He's just very visual and he talks about this stuff and it upsets me but yeah, yeah. they are feeding it to him so yes it would it yeah. be exploitive they, they are creating him into a political parrot like i i could not tell him how to vote he would right. you know i always thought i would be able to tell him how to vote no, <laughs> that impact is is they're doing that to all children in a lot of the public schools because I've been around some of my friends' kids, and especially during the election, and they started talking about Trump being a racist as well. They started citing all these reasons why, and they just a lot of the talking points that you would hear in the media. And I asked them, I would say, where did you learn that? And they would tell me their class or their teacher who said it. And I, I'm just and – and their parents or their, their mom or dad – would counter that those points and they would, you know, be defensive again. Yeah. You know? And my I'm daughter going, thinks wow. he's a sexist. And my daughter says he's a sexist. I'm like, what uh, makes you think that? The things he says are I said, ah, oh, he's just saying that stuff. I was like, he's he's anti immigrant. Like to you know, he's the first person to bring an immigrant into the White House. You know, like Yeah. No nobody, no president or 
wife has ever been foreign, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure. So, and he, he made Ivana, his first wife, the head of the casino. That was probably those she couldn't testify against him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, possibly. But I'm just saying, like, he's just saying that stuff. And she, she just, I'm like, and I asked her how she knew it. She said, well, everybody knows that. And I was like, yeah. No. So she's jumping on. Everybody the knows it. Not cool to jump on the bandwagon. She is going through a feminist. Oh, she's I see. Feminist. I see. She's not. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. That's funny. I'm not worried about it. Okay. So what I have, and you know, this, the what was going on with indivisible or not indivisible the resistance which is part indivisible part the women's march movement and part all these splinter groups that have arisen up locally that they make up the resistance and what we had leading up to this week was hashtag and i'll give out the hashtags kill the bill day of action and kill the bill right kill the bill my facebook post my facebook picture profile picture for my personal facebook page is me standing in front of the Capitol with my sign that says tyranny today, revolution tomorrow. And the guy behind me sign says kill the bill. And it's about Obamacare. Really? Yeah. Th- that is, this is kill the bill. And this is about Trump care. And oh they had gosh. a big celebration today because, oh! you know, <laughs> of all that happened, but they were doing all this stuff to try to get people to get enthusiasm to kill the bill. So part of it was call your Senator and read the script that I read which uh, we'll post in the show notes. Uh, another part of it is to show up at congressional offices to do sit-ins, to go to the offices and sit in and refuse to leave until you get to talk to them or till you get some sort of commitment or statement from them. Another thing they were doing was the faces of healthcare, which is basically them. Jimmy Kimmel. No, uh, Jimmy Kimmel might have been involved. I don't know, but what, yes, actually the Jimmy Kimmel thing where he talks about his, his child crying. Yeah, that's a good example. They're getting these pictures that people would send in of their disabled children, and they're just showing propaganda. And essentially, you know, we have no idea what might be the cause of the disability or or the situation of no no complexities or subtleties of the situation, just exploiting pictures of their children and saying, you need to kill Trump care bill or this child's going to die. Basically, there's statements like people will die. In fact, one of the pictures, uh, somebody was holding a sign. And one of the faces of healthcare pictures in the background, the website that said people will die. And then you can just cycle through all the pictures of disabled children. <laughs> I mean, this is just a, a uh, uh, an amusement park of propaganda, this indivisible yeah. and this women's march. The Jimmy Kimmel thing upset me, though, because his whole thing was like such a caring father and such a family guy. And I remember when he had a wife, she had a baby. He, I think, was sleeping with then or shortly thereafter Sarah Silverman, whatever, yes, left his Sarah wife. Silverman, a lady. She's a lady. <laughs> is that her story? No, that's my – she is not a lady is what I'm you know, talking No, she does not <laughs> seem to be a lady. And she – so he left his wife and child and, uh, you know, then moved on and now he's got somebody else, whatever. And I just – I feel like, look, I'm not – I – I don't need to judge him. I don't know what his story was. Yeah. However, don't get up and cry to me, not even for your own child, but for some theoretical child. I don't, you know. Wait, he didn't have a baby? He did, but but does he, 
Is he reliant on Obamacare? Is that child not going to get health care unless we pass? No, his child's Obamacare? definitely going to get health care. Right. So that's, I mean, so what is he doing with that? How he is conjuring tears strictly for other people. Yeah, he's a mouthpiece for the resistance. All right. I just feel like don't try to manipulate me because of your superior emotional position. Yes, yes, exactly. Your emotionally correct position, which is a term I coined for my glossary. Emotionally what? Correct. Emotionally correct position. Yes. So like when you have to pay double for coffee because it was raised by (laughs) organic farmers. Dying baby. Exactly. And <laughs> not in the end. Yeah. <laughs> not yes, an not ugly baby. Yemen free coffee. Exactly. So I just thought that Jimmy Kimmel thing just really uh, annoyed me. Well, Jimmy and the resistance is celebrating the problems with Trump care this week. Anyway, they, they're putting out big win, great win, guys. Those hashtags are everywhere. I got another email today, which is uh, a slight change, a slight change. Of course, you can always get an idea of the upcoming talking points, like I said, and which way the agenda is going by the emails. They kind of uh, foreshadow the resistance movement does. And I got one this week that starts with hashtag all of us. You know, because they're very inclusive, right? Unless oh, yeah, because the unity thing. Yeah, unity. <laughs> unless you're a Republican, right. unless you're a Libertarian, and unless you're a Democrat that is willing to compromise, they're inclusive. Yeah, so they should have- change it from unity to conformity. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Conformity. You know, my, my opinion is that they never – the GOP never, and I might do this on the show on Saturday, systematically point out uh, – the GOP never wanted to get rid of Obamacare. This whole thing has been a fraud. Right. Yeah, of course not. They, they like it. And then Trump, by by blowing it up like this, by making any alternative fail and having Obamacare, everybody's like, oh, it does need to be fixed. It does need to be fixed. Then they are finally going to get their single-payer health care, and they're going to get to blame the Republicans. Right. One of the emails – I remembered this because you brought it up a few weeks ago. One of the emails I got was something like, the head, the heading was something like "Watch out for Ted Cruz" because Ted Cruz offered the solution for repealing it that you brought mm-hmm. up, and the whole thing was about we have to stop, make sure Ted Cruz's solution doesn't get presented or doesn't get passed or something like that. Well, he had the original solution that would have worked like four years ago, and I have the tapes of when I outed King Peter King maybe from New York saying Ted Cruz needs to be. Um, exiled from the GOP, attacked, and all this kind of stuff because he's he's bringing up this um, approach that will never work. It totally would have worked. And the GOP decided not to – they decided to let Obamacare happen so they could continue to win elections based on it. And, yeah. and I have a tape of myself on the air with a caller saying um, – the caller said, "Well, let Obamacare happen, and then and then people will be so disgusted with it they'll they'll rebel against it." And I said, "No way! Even if it collapsed, they will just make it single payer. You're never taking it away." And then that's when I asked you to pull that clip of Susan Collins saying, "Well, you know, it's so entrenched now; we really can't get rid of it." And I do have that. She's clip. a Republican. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's do that on Saturday. I think we're all right. Well, this is what the resistance sent out today. They said now the Democratic Party wants to establish – they want to use the same losing formula 
of moderation and status quo politics in 2018. Now, I think that's interesting because I found a few articles this week that talked about how John Ossoff's approach does not need to be used again, how they do not need to use the approach where they try to attract centrist. Well, that was the Young Turks thing that we talked about. Yeah, they need to be more basically, you know. And like this Democrats. is also this is also a parallel of the GOP kind of Tea Party strategy, which is interesting with the John Ossoff thing because John Ossoff wasn't attracting centrist. He he was. He was antagonizing his approach. They make it sound like he was doing that, but he was totally not doing that. They didn't it change halfway through. Isn't that yeah, what they're saying? They, they did it in language. They they started at the beginning and they they used the language of a centrist, but it was clear. Well, I guess it was clear prop- propaganda. To but when you us. got a hate call from a, a snowflake in San Francisco, you knew he Absolutely. wasn't appealing to the middle. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> So they, they, they don't want to do that. What they want to do is that when asked, the, Democrat, the Democratic congressman in charge of creating the party's message for 2018 recently said the message is being worked on. If left to their own devices, the establishment Democrats are going to run on a state agenda created by wealthy donors and out-of-touch consultants. We have a historic opportunity to take back Congress and get rid of Trump, but the Democrats need to run on bold, popular agenda that will provide the American people with what they need to thrive, health care, education, jobs, and safety. That's why we're joining with our allies to push House Democrats to co-sponsor hashtag People's Platform. Now, what's that mean? The people, communist. the people's plat, communist, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> the platform you know, calls for yeah. Medicare of all tuition, free college, tuition, free, free college. college. Yes. <laughs> An end to private prisons, a $15 national minimum wage, a tax on Wall Street and a clean energy economy. So it's Bernie Sanders campaign. Hashtag people platform. That's going to no, be something. No, but then like they build – they're going to have to build a wall just like they did around West Berlin because all the people who earn money are going to want to climb out. But here's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Here's the thing that what's happening. Yeah. What's happening here is they're absolutely – and it's working, and they're really doing it. It's really happening right now. It is the final loss of the American Revolution. They are our two-party dialectic, which they don't actually have in Europe quite this egregiously like two party but our two parties are going to be the european left and the european right that's what <laughs> it's true and that's what's happening at fox is that they're turning yeah, into it sky news you know, you know where where yes i did and and now i see that they're doing the same thing. i knew bernie was there for a reason but they're truly transforming us into uh i just have you have you been to France lately? <laughs> Probably no, not. No, no, I no. was to France a few years ago and I got sick. And then my sister went to France the next year and she got sick and her husband got sick and she refused. She's a bit of a socialist. So she like did not, <laughs> would not accept my warnings or my postmortem. It's like, yes, it is a socialist country. It is on its ass. It has absolutely no sanitation. It has no standards, whatever. It's socialism and regulations and all that does not make for a clean, like healthy society. It's wealth and prosperity that does it. So that's why we're better. You know, like you, you just can't, 
they they at that time anyway, and I think it's probably still true, are in a basically an economic depression over there. I don't know what their numbers say, but the the contrast from when I had gone there maybe ten years ago was shocking. And uh and that's just it's not what I want for this country. But it's it's this third worlding too that's also gonna happen with like there's the very, 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 very rich, which comes from larger government. And it comes from the government the way it controls the money system. It comes from the privileges, from the regulations, from making trade deals that that with your you know, to benefit your buddies at US Steel or whatever. You know, like it comes from all this stuff that both the left and the right are doing. And then you get like the very poor, the middle class has to pay basically half of their or the professional class that pays so much of the like basically all the income taxes. They're totally neutralized politically because they have no extra income. And then, you know, you have the the poor who are subsidized into submission with like the welfare stuff. And then the rich who are in on it with their privileges. And then it's just not, it's just not a, uh, you know, place of opportunity and achievement. And it just bums me out. I would agree. I also would like to point out that starting with the first women's march, I pointed out that it was on a communist date. And so were the yes. next three, all, all like the four major, marches they've had have been held on communist holidays on big communist holidays or is there a communist ho- isn't every day a holiday in communist country with yeah, yeah, I guess you could say so. yeah <laughs> big major communist holiday one of them was on lenin's birthday one of them was on lenin's death i can't remember what the other two were but mm. they all were and they were on the same dates like some people might argue well that's a com- that's a holiday in this uh country also but the dates that are chosen are the ones that are cel- the, the dates that the communists celebrate on. And they always do marches and they always do protests on those dates. These groups have, ver- from the very beginning, been front groups to spread the communist socialist ide- ideology as the solution to <clears throat> horrible, horrible thing that's going to happen if they don't stop Trump. What do you that they're worried about? <laughs> no, they're they're afraid of Trump. The whole idea is like, here's the problem. The pro- it's, it's we we agitate a problem, and everybody will be so afraid that everyone who opposes the problem will join us as the solution, regardless but of like, what we Trump are. wasn't even really repealing Obamacare. He was just you know this. It, it goes beyond Obamacare. Just the I very know. I'm just right saying he's not doing anything. I know. He's not, that's the point. he's not even threatening to really do I, I anything. Know, exactly. It's not about <laughs> the policy. It's not about like if you looked at the policy, you're going to see that that Trump. As a lot of things that is that he he's more he's closer to Democrats in a lot of issues than other Republicans would be, but it's not about that. It's it's about having it's about demonizing an enemy that can rile up the public. Oh, I, I have to speaking of you know how much I really <clears throat> wanted to <clears throat> excuse me at least trust my instincts on Jeff Sessions as being like a sincere person. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like his, the four policy things I've heard him speak on so far was using the power of government, or five, uh, to restore private prisons, which are such a scam. It breaks my heart. 70% of people in prison are there for uh, crimes of prohibition and not like crimes against persons and property. That makes me sick. Uh, He talks about cracking down on putting people in jail uh, for a long time for immigration violations, which 
they just, they get deported. The Kate Steinle guy was deported. He was stopped at the border every time. He spent 15 years in prison for it. You know, we paid for him. I think he keeps coming over to go to prison. It's not the answer to the problem. Uh, cracking down on drugs, putting more people in prison for that. Um, going into Chicago to crack down on illegal guns, which, by the way, is <laughs> should be an oxymoron, like, or whatever. Illegal guns should not be illegal. And uh, and then the latest one was asset forfeiture. He's in favor of asset forfeiture, which is taking stuff away from people, I think, before they're even convicted in uh, in drug conflicts. So you've come to a conclusion? No, I'm not sure. He's. I just have to, like, for the record, lest anyone, like, watch, like, oh, Monica Perez likes Jeff Sessions. I, yeah. I never agreed with anything he had to say. Right. And I still don't. It gets worse every day. But I, I still honestly think that he's a sincere guy who was probably going to do, uh, be troublesome in the Senate. So you think that he believes that the stuff, his actions are, are the best course of action? I think that... If I were the president, the stuff he would gladly focus on would be good stuff. But I'm not the president, and the president picks stuff that Sessions thinks is good stuff, or his handlers, whatever, thinks it's good stuff. You know, it's in his wheelhouse, which is where I would always differ from him. But, and he'll pursue it with a vengeance, and he believes in it, but I, I don't necessarily think those are his top five priorities. Yeah, he's just doing his job. Basically. Well, he's just doing what he's told. And yeah. I think, and without, without quite, I mean, why not? Like he should do what he's, you know, whatever. If they, if he's in the cabinet or they, however they consider the attorney general. But I'm just saying, like, if I were the president and I said to him, my priorities are rape, murder, kidnapping, burglary, robbery. You know what I mean? I think he would focus on that. I yeah. have, you know, I don't want any more crime. So I'm going to empty out all the prisons of people who will never ever touch you or your stuff. And we will put all our resources on people that will actually touch you or your stuff. I think he would execute that well and with sincerity, but he is really screwing the pooch. Well, for the record, he does look like a sweet, innocent <laughs> old man. Big eared. <laughs> Which means we all let our guard around those sweet innocent. He looks ladies. like Granny from uh, Beverly Hillbillies. He looks like a grandmother. Then no, he looks like the grandmother from Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, right. <laughs> he does. And if you're sitting, if you're, or if you're walking down a dark alley at night and two people are approaching, and one of them is the grandmother from the Beverly Hillbillies, and the other one is somebody wearing jeans with a hole in them, a leather jacket, and they look and they look like rough. <laughs> they're about a hood, a hoodie maybe. You're going mm. to be afraid of the guy in the hoodie and the dirty jeans, the one who's going to rob you is the grandma. <laughs> uh, yes. No, I, I get it. I, I'm totally aware of that. I just, I'm telling you, no one ever, ever passes my, I think everybody's fake. Every, 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 everybody. Oh, I know, you do. Everybody. Jeff and Jeff yes. Sessions, for some reason, I'm just like, I, this guy's wrong about everything. And I don't That's think he's funny. fake. No, like yeah. I just can't get my mind. So I'm just saying the saga of the true meaning of Jeff Sessions continues. I, I figured Trump at Trump. I've got, but Jeff Sessions. That's the one. The That's intractable one. mystery. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, one more thing. Oh my goodness gracious. One okay. more thing, a local story that 
it's a few weeks old, but it came back up again this week because of the because people didn't like it. People didn't like that Kasim Reed did this, and Kasim Reed is clearly, in my opinion, setting up his legacy. As we've talked about this before, he's going to move on to bigger things, and he is now part of the part of the mayor, like the one hundred mayors in the world who is is on uh. with uh, what was it the the climate, the climate, despite what the president does, he's yeah. like a, heading up the whole climate change thing, the smart cities. And he also did another thing to kind of pad his resume for moving forward, his globalist resume. And that was he put in a thermo – he put in thermoplastic panels that are rainbow-colored in honor of gay pride in midterm. Mm-hmm. And they cost the taxpayers $196,000. So taxpayer-funded gay pride panels in the heart of Midtown. Could we put crosses or Star of Davids or no, those are like stuff like that? <laughs> you can't do that. I just don't understand why what you're into gets to be subsidized. The symbolism of it is subsidized. And other cities, Orlando is using Kasim Reed's example saying we need to do this now also. Kasim Reed did it in Atlanta. We need to do it now. I personally like rainbows. Right, yeah. So they're pretty but I I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't spend a penny on anything. Like just don't spend a penny on anything. Don't put up statues of Confederate heroes. Yeah. Don't take them down. If they're already there, there's no reason to you know, well I guess people think they're reason. But like so I personally think the whole Confederate flag thing, all that is a setup in order to flip the south well but, this is, but i'm I mean, not a big pl- fan of statues you know of it, government spending on that stuff your argument is perfectly normal just like just like the argument against the brave stadium just like the argument against the falcon stadium using taxpayer money to fund the yeah. new stadiums not everybody is into that that's not how everybody wants yeah. their money spent it's yeah. the same thing here but here if you say that if you say <laughs> try to make that argument then you're a bigot and you don't like gay people <laughs> and a homophobe exactly now, what he's doing? Which next I'm is- totally not. They they will like. I mean, it's it gets irksome because I don't care <laughs> what people do. I, know. I don't it doesn't matter. Care. But, that's but they- yeah. why do you? Yeah. Why does it have to become a dialectic? Why do I have to like have this entire package of beliefs, including what party I belong to? Yeah, you know what I mean. And spend my money on decorations that represent that entire package. It's how they short circuit. You're think people's thinking is how not, uh, is how they prevent people from having I'm, reasonable I'm, conversations. I'm approaching despair. Well, you don't need to despair. You just need to. I I'm, I have despair. I I'm despairing. I find. But you pull so many people from the darkness of the tunnel with your show, or the cave. I mean, what they're chained inside the cave. That they just now know that there's like you know we can't get out. I can't get out of the cave. We're stuck. I mean, you know, I don't have. Open and I don't have a, a dirt yes. floor. I appreciate. I love central air conditioning. I mean, really. That's it, really it, racist. It, it was the difference between like my life as a child was virtually not worth living just from mosquito bites and sticky weather. You know what I mean? Like I am so grateful for the comforts of home. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I do never go to sleep with that thing. If my gratitude Brings tears to my eyes. I do not want to seem ungrateful. It's it's paradoxical that I should feel despair in the in the uh, luxury of that health and 
contentment that I have, but I, I do, I feel like we're living in the matrix and, uh, and I just, I mean, I, the media is such a manipulation. I mean, you can't believe history books. There's no, the pursuit of knowledge is simply the pursuit of peeling away layers of lies, you know, and that's not what I want. I want enrichment. I don't want this. The best thing you're going to do is to just break through the lies. But that's what you're giving people. You're, you're by helping people, most shows, they impart conclusions. They don't encourage thinking. They don't encourage people who disagree to call and talk to them and have a reasonable conversation. That's one of the compliments you get the most is people will call and they'll say, I don't always disagree with you, but I like listening to you because, you know, you're willing to explore those there's alternative, not alternatives. I don't want to say, because you can't even use that word anymore. <laughs> no, they totally wrecked that. That was another thing. That was another thing. We saw We saw Hillary destroy it. We looked yeah. up from her thing, say, all right. And we were just like, you and I were just yeah. like. But you encourage the conversation and the conversation, <laughs> a reasonable conversation. I'm telling you, this is what happened after, after World War One is. The public became oh, yeah. wise to propaganda. They yeah. they learned of the manipulation and they wanted to be more. They wanted to be better critical thinkers. So and they and you know how that turned out? Well, it turned out well for you know until World War II when they needed to shut down. The, <laughs> totally. The, not, the, I have a book I really have to read that I put in our book list on our bookshelf called "The Politics of Cultural Despair," and it was written about how the Nazis came to power. And I was never really interested in it, but now. That I seem to be a victim of cultural despair. It could be the circumstances of my life right now, but I mean, my life is fine. It's not my life. It's just whatever these tragedies. So uh, I'm a little depleted, but uh, normally I can take it, but I do feel like a sadness. I normally have more hope than this, but I, I, I have an, unexplainable craving to read that book for the first time since I bought it 20 yeah. years ago. So the maybe I'll in what you, the hope is in what you can inspire and you do inspire people to Dude. have the conversation to not fall into the emotional traps that are set out there. So have hope in what you do inspire and can continue to inspire. I appreciate that. You want to know what my vision is for like how to prepare people? What stuff like the movie Demolition Man? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, you really got to have teach kids how to be able to live underground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. I, I agree. Yeah, no, I think like like Terminator and uh, and the Matrix, like all that stuff. It's like we're gonna live underground. <laughs> you gotta learn how to live underground. So I guess I'm skipping a few steps. Perhaps we can kick this can. Yeah. Yes, we can. And even Dude, this is bad. I started and ended on a sad note. No. Well, we have a gay bat signal that you can see from the sky in the middle of Atlanta now. So that that's kind of that's a bright every that's a bright thing to think about. We can turn that we can hijack that (laughs) rainbow. Turn it into something else. I uh, like well, rainbows. No, not to something else. Rainbows I might are pretty. Not, I might not give up rainbow? rainbow. That's hilarious. I'm you could say, I love the rainbow, and you'll get called a homophobe because you didn't. No, a homophile. People think that I'm uh, act, an activist, a gay activist. Yeah. But I, I sign my, like, my texts and stuff ever since I saw that movie, Central Intelligence, which is so dumb, but I love it because I love the rock. Yeah. And it was actually created by this current treasury secretary steve mnuchin oh whatever had total propaganda but 
this uh the rock is a cia agent but he's like completely goofy and he signs all his stuff with a unicorn a rainbow and an ak-47 emoji (laughs) so so i started signing my stuff with that i could only find a water pistol and my iphone emoji thing but you know, so that's why I do it. And my sister's yeah. like, wow, I didn't know you were a gay activist. I was like, what? I'm a gay activist? Right? She's like, you signed your thing with the rainbow. It's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. You know, I was like, right. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. So, well, I encourage the, the unicorn rainbow AK-47 signature. Yeah. I'll share that. Yeah, All right, my dear. Reed is not putting, you know, a statue in Piedmont Park of two dicks touching or anything. At least we haven't got that far with it yet. Dude, See, I wanted to go too far. Go too far. I, I had to go too far just because you went to a dark note. I had to go too far. You always go too far. That was from the end of uh, Midnight Run, which was not as good a movie as I thought. But what I always was? say that I came so far. Oh, so right. Far. <laughs> Uh, or the odd couple where she wants to have her baby in Uncle Oscar's room. What? What? You went too far. Anyway, you go too far. I do from time to time. On that note, until next time, I'll be in a much, much better mood next time. I, I really you got to. You're great. Uh, all right. Thanks for cheering me up. And uh, talk to you all next time. See you later. <laughs>